You have? Great. Hey, thanks, team. Good morning again. I'll add my welcome to everybody. Great to have you here this morning. Just a couple of quick things to expand on some of the church news. I was realizing when we have our annual general meeting, uh, members, uh, the people who come to that, but everybody's welcome. Uh, if you wanted to, you can grab a spare copy of the AGM bu- booklet. And you're welcome to read throughout our financial statements. Everything's in there. So uh, would you just do me a favor? Don't grab one that's got someone's name on. Because someone did last week and the person who's looking for there didn't find it and said, okay, you know what I mean. You get the picture. So just grab one that hasn't got a name on it. Is that cool? Uh, If you want a copy, come and see Pastor Mal. He'll do some more copies for you. Is that right? Brilliant. How's that? Also... Um, Andrew Cabal, Pastor Andrew Cabal will be here tonight in our church um, and he'll be ministering. But we want to encourage you on the Monday, Tuesday night, three churches are joining together. You know, the Word of God says where there's unity, God commands blessing. So, uh, so we're all excited. Uh, Lifestyle Church, Port City, and of course the Boyntown Church, which is called My City Church. We're going to join together on the Monday, Tuesday night and uh, have a great, brilliant time. Now, um, we'd encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, bring friends would be brilliant. Uh, I just wanted to say, um, those who are hosting or those who are serving, there's a, a quite an, about 10 or 12 people who are serving from our church. You can come afterwards if you haven't got a t-shirt, you can grab one like this. Is that cool? Um, you're welcome to buy it, but otherwise you can give it back afterwards. But this is our um, t-shirt for those who serve. It looks okay, doesn't it? So it's got a back bit as well. Okay, so I thought I'd just wear it. So you just know. So all those who are serving on the Monday and Tuesday night, if you could come and see us and we'll have a uh, t-shirt for you. There's different sizes from really large to small, so everybody should be catered for. Um, The other thing is, obviously, if we're going to be at the entertainment center Tuesday night, no prayer meeting will be here. We're just going to, no prayer meeting, but we'll be joining together at the entertainment center. Okay, so those who usually come our, our time of prayer together, we'll be there. Brilliant. Is that, I think everybody understands that, hey? Is that cool? Great. Can I turn today to a passage in Scripture, Acts chapter 16, please? And starting at verse 16. Just want to read this whole story um, I think it's right through to verse, uh, yeah, it is through to verse 34, but I just think it's well worth reading the whole story, the whole situation that unfolded, because it gives you this wonderful picture of some incredible principles. It just says in Acts chapter 16, this is, um, you know who wrote Acts, don't you? Luke. Luke was a doctor, and he wrote, you know, Luke's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he wrote Luke's gospel, but he also wrote Acts. It was like Luke number two. Second Luke is Acts of the Apostles. And, and of course, uh, it starts at verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl, she was a servant. She followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit that was in her, of course, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her... So obviously she's been delivered of that spirit of whatever you want to call it, fortune telling. In verse um, 
19, but when her masters saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I don't know what an inner prison is. I mean, it's bad enough just being in prison, but you get the inner prison? I don't know. Is that the one like is 10 levels down instead of 9? I'm not quite sure, but it was the inner prison. Um, So, verse 25, but, that's a good word. Sometimes we forget about little buts in life, but they, after but, usually comes something quite significant. It usually, after the words in the Bible that, that use the word but, they usually have some change of situation. Isn't that true? David used to say in the Psalms, you know, God, all this has happened to me, and, you know, it just, it's not good, but then he says, but God, you are able to rescue me. You know, there's a change. So, you know, sometimes you just got to read the Bible and just see what the buts are there for. This one is a good but. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It's always a good, it's always a good day when you can do that, hey? And the prisoners were listening to them, singing psalms and hymns. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons was shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prisoner, awaking from, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You could appreciate this guy, his whole, his whole livelihood and his job is to make sure those prisoners are secure. If he doesn't do that, someone's going to take his head off. So he says, in this particular situation, he assumes too much. Oh, they're all fled. They're all gone. All the doors are open. All the chains are off their arms and legs. He assumes too much. because, he, And he says, well, I'll, just, I'll, take my, I'll kill myself instead of them doing it. I'd rather I do it humanely. Well, as much as possible. So he's about to do that. You could appreciate this is a tense situation. Um, but Paul, he must have saw this. I don't know. Maybe he had a word of knowledge. But he yells out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. This is the jailer, the, the, the guy who looks after them. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Far out. So he goes from one situation wanting to kill himself, now he wants to have life. I think that's a good turnaround. And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house, and he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their stripes or their, you know, where they'd be beaten. And immediately he and all his family were water baptized. They would have been baptized. Now, when he had broke the, uh, brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having received, uh, sorry, having believed in God and all, with all his household. So they had a party, um, probably just after midnight sometimes, or maybe one or two, they just had a party. And then Paul and Silas, if you read the rest of the story, went back into their jail and, uh, and you know, uh, waited for those officials to come and get him out. Interesting story. Um, I've... Um, uh, this whole story is based around a city called Philippi, which is in Greece, modern-day Greece. There, it's up on the top end of um, Greece, Philippi. And, he was, and Paul and Silas were in a Philippi, uh, this jail in, in the city of Philippi. 
um, they were going to a prayer meeting. Um, you could appreciate, if you read the verses before the verses I just read, um, verses 1 to, six, 1 to 15, you'll see that the prayer meeting was a custom, was a thing that they were doing probably every evening, it says. Not every evening, but it was the custom to go to prayer. And they were praying beside a river, which is just outside this city of Philippi. So um, they've been going there for days. And there was a whole bunch of people. Can you notice, can you recognize, this is, Luke is not kind of sharing this story from secondhand information. He was there. Because in verse 16, it says, let, did you see what it says in verse 16? A girl with divination met us. And then it says, and she followed Paul and us. And so Luke wasn't getting this second, third hand information. This was eyewitness account. He wrote what he saw happen and over these several days. Okay? So it's, a, it's, a, it's something we can rely on when it's personal information like this. And so we see there was a number of them. There was Paul. There was Silas. There was probably a lady there called Lydia. Because if you read just in the previous verses to this chapter, the verses I read you, Lydia was a seller of cloth, and she had come and made a commitment to Jesus and become a Christian just prior, a couple of days prior to this whole situation unfolding. So there would have been Lydia, and there would have been Luke, and there would have been a whole bunch of disciples, and they're all heading towards the river because they're going to have what? No, no, a prayer meeting. You're going to have a prayer meeting. Okay. Um, so they're on their way to prayer, and this young girl who's possessed by a spirit of fortune-telling, um, he finally gets sick of her because she's been doing it for days. She's been, you know, just raving on and carrying on. And so he turns around, rebukes her, and then she's delivered from the devil uh, and from the demon. And she's in a normal right frame of mind. And she's a servant. So the people who own her, she's a slave, the people who own her get really upset because they can't make money out of her. And you can appreciate that their greed for money overrides everything else. And so they grab Paul and Silas and make false accusations about him. And, the, and the, of course, they end up in a jail. Okay, we've got the picture, I think. It's just interesting. I've entitled my message today, The Day I Didn't Make the Prayer Meeting. The Day I Didn't Make the Prayer Meeting. Now, I know a number of you don't come to prayer meeting, but I don't think this is the excuse. If it is, come and see me and we'll, uh, we'll pray for you. <laughs> you see, I, I've come to understand that sometimes bad things happen on the way to doing good things. In life, you can be, you can be, um, you can be knocking things out of the park. You can have, be having breakthroughs. You can see great things happen. But on, as you progress on that, um, please understand, sometimes there comes some, um, there comes some opposition There'll come some times when you're just, you know, you've broken through, some addictions have been dealt with, some relationships have been restored, um, health has been restored, whatever it may be, and yet all of a sudden, bang, something comes along that just wants to disrupt, discourage, or anger you or frustrate you from continuing forward, and they're the times where you'll be careful you don't get distracted or get put off your game and what, you know, you really need to achieve, because we do have an enemy of our soul, don't we? He comes to do nothing else but to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But I'm, uh, so, you know, Paul and Silas were on their way to a prayer meeting. They were on their way to a good thing. They were going to pray. They were going to spend, probably it was more than a prayer meeting, it was probably a whole service. 
you know, they'd have worship, they'd have prayer. And then, of course, um, maybe Paul or Silas or someone else would share there beside the river. They hadn't actually established a building in Philippi as yet for the church. But this is the beginning of the church in Philippi. And so they're on their way to a prayer meeting. But the truth is, it didn't stop Paul and Silas from having a prayer meeting. They just had it about 12 hours later in a cell in the, the dungeon of the Philippi jail. Because that's when they decided, well... Let's lift our voice and let's just give God a couple songs of praise. So right there, so it wasn't a matter of not having the prayer meeting. It's just that, you know, and the truth is they could have got very much distracted from having the prayer meeting in the cell. I think I could have possibly, you know, after the things that happened to them, but they didn't. They continued. And the reality is when they started to lift their voice to God, it triggered some amazing events that followed after that. Um, and it actually find that it's like a set of dominoes. They did this, and this happened. This happened, and this happened. And often, life's like that. It's like a set of dominoes. But if you don't do the first thing, sometimes you don't get the second thing. Yeah. If you don't put something first, sometimes you don't get this, the, some, the next thing. And we see Paul and Silas. Um, the very first thing they did was, I suppose, Paul uh, decided... I'm going to pray for this girl and deliver her of this spirit of divination, fortune-telling. He does that. Now, who would say, that's a good day? It's a good day for that young girl? Yeah. It was a good day in many ways. Everybody's rejoicing. But the people who own the young girl didn't think it was a good day because they were losing income. So you, know, you can appreciate, that was the first domino to fall, Paul prays. That's how it started. And of course, as he prays, he, we, can all, we can expect when we do something for God, we would expect sometimes that there would be a good result, and there was, but we wouldn't expect uh, sometimes what, what the things that happened to Paul. And what happened to Paul is they dragged him before the public people, and they publicly humiliated him and Silas. Now, why didn't they grab Luke, um, Luke and Lydia and all the other disciples and people who were there? I don't know. Maybe Paul just had the biggest mouth, and so they grabbed him and Silas. But, you know, Paul could have been thinking, hey, I've just done God. I've just been going well. I've been going strong. I've just done something for God. And now I get treated like a public enemy number one. Don't be surprised that the enemy has a go when you're doing good things. Don't be discouraged. Don't, be, don't discard your faith because of that. The next thing that happens, of course, is they get thrown into jail. There's a lot of other things happening there. Um, but they get thrown into jail. So at midnight... Um, Paul and Silas decide that the next thing they're going to do is they're still going to praise God. So they lift their voice at midnight. They start to praise God. And uh, as they start to praise God, um, an earthquake suddenly hits the building of the whole city of Philippi. I was just thinking about this. They're praising God and an earthquake comes along. From you know, If I was sitting in a jail giving praise to God, the last thing that I want God to do is an earthquake. Maybe an angel... Maybe someone, uh, uh, you know, a team of um, crack, um, you know, uh, SES uh, soldiers come in and blow up the, the doors of the jail and rescue me and take me out and wow, everything's that maybe, but an earthquake? I mean, if, maybe Paul and Silas are thinking, well, God, you've saved, you know, uh, you've saved us from the whipping and the scourging and the humiliation and we're in jail, but now we're going to die in a pile of rubble when this building collapses because of an earthquake? See, at every point of your life, you've got a decision to make how you're going to react. 
how you're going to respond to the circumstances that unfold. But as they, you know, every point, and Paul and Silas had a choice not to praise God, but they did. And when they did, an earthquake happened. They probably thought, God, what are you doing? We're going to die in a pile of rubble. That doesn't happen because they find that the doors of the jail open, the chains fall off. Remember, their feet were in stocks. And they find that, man, it was a good result. A good thing happened. So now the next domino unfortunately happened. They now see or hear the jailer, the guy who keeps all the prisoners, about to kill himself. Thankfully, in the nick of time, Paul calls out, don't kill yourself, we're all here. So that if I was Paul and Silas and I saw this jailer, who was the guy who put me in jail, who didn't put me in the normal jail, he put me in the inner jail, who then put my feet in stocks. This is the guy that is part of my abuse system here. <laughs> Maybe Paul and Silas had the thought of, well, just let him do it. The world would be a better place without a guy like that. But because they'd already given praise to God and he'd filled their heart with praise and thankfulness and all those type of wonderful things, they have mercy and love for the jailer. Even they have forgiveness for him. They have mercy for him. And they call out, don't do that. We're all here. And he comes running into them, acknowledging something's happened here that's supernatural because Chains don't fall off hands by themselves and doors don't open by themselves when they're securely locked. He acknowledges something's happening. He goes into Paul and Silas and says, hey, what must I do to be saved? See the dominoes that fell for this man and then his family to come to Christ? How powerful would you think that testimony would be? A man who's engaged in, in abusing people in a jail now comes to Christ? My goodness. I reckon the jail changed after that. What do you think? I reckon the way he treated the prisoners probably changed if he kept his job. His family changed. Can you see it all started with what seemed to be a good thing on Paul's count, turned into a bad thing when they're put into jail, turned into a, a good thing when they praised God, turned into a bad thing when the earthquake came, turned into a good thing when a, and a, a bad thing when the jailer wanted to kill himself, to a good thing that he comes to Christ and so did his family. I want to tell you, in the end, God has mysterious ways and we'll never work them out, but we've got to, kind of, we've got to um, just be aware. Don't be discouraged when something comes along, when you're doing a good thing and it tries to discourage you because, you know what, there's a silver lining sometimes if you just give praise to God it's incredible the grey cloud has a silver I can have a silver lining but it really makes is up to your choice sometimes and how you deal with it how you deal with it the things that cause you pain the things that cause you grief um, uh, the things that happen in our life um, to be honest, Paul and Silas, their response to their circumstances was completely unnatural. Would you agree? Because naturally speaking, they should have complained. Naturally speaking, they should have complained. You think about it. Falsely accused, publicly humiliated, physically abused, unjustly imprisoned. Has anybody kind of felt those things? Maybe not prison, but you know, there's other things. Um, thrown into a jail, in a jail, and their feet placed in stocks. They have every reason, naturally speaking, to get upset and complain, but they don't give God the finger, they give God praise, if you know what I mean. They lift their voice different. Their treatment didn't seem right. This whole thing didn't seem right. Their response didn't. Nothing about this story seems right. 
Why would you be treated so cruelly for doing something so good? That doesn't seem right. But their response, why would you give praise when you've been treated so badly? Wasn't right, didn't seem right. But I want to tell you this, when you give an unnatural response to an unjust situation, you can have an unnatural result. I say it again, when you, give, when you give an unnatural response to an unjust situation, you can have an unnatural result. That's a supernatural result when you praise or when you give thanks or whatever you may do. Maybe, maybe that's what this guy called James in the Bible was writing about in James chapter 1, verses, one, uh, verses 2 to 4. And I just want to read it to you. It just says this. I think it's going to come up. Here it is. My brothers and sisters... You'll face all kinds of trouble when you do. Think of it as pure joy. This is the NIRV version. Your faith will be tested. You know what, that what, when this happens, it will produce in you and the strength to continue. And you must allow the strength to finish its work. Then you'll be all that you should be. You will have everything you need. Isn't that incredible? There's a, there's a purpose in our pain sometimes. As we come through it, it says you can be prepared and equipped to face for everything you have to face. What a, what a wonderful thought James brings us there in Scripture. Um, and we all face those different things. I, uh, I had a week of facing some different things. And while I, I spare your details, um, the reality is, is that I just think we've got to continually pray for each other. Because when good things are happening... Uh, be aware the enemy is also happening, and, uh, but God is good. He is good. He could bring you through and over and beyond. Amen. Very tempted to tell you some stories, but we'll just move on because... <laughs> but can I tell you one story? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, the pressure, the temptation is there, so I'll give in to it. I was hopped out of my car in the car park at Harper's Date on Thursday morning. I shut the front door, I opened the back door, I get my um, computer with, in its bag out of there, I put it on my shoulder, I leave my hand on the car as I go to slam the door with the right. Not knowing my thumb is like 12 inches over the door jam, and I go, and I gave it a good slam, whack. The door bounced off the thumb. It hit right across the wick. It it's lifted my whole thumbnail off its socket <laughs> um, and cut it to the bone. So, and you know what? The stupid thing about it, this is men for you. No, this is so inconvenient. <laughs> That's what I said. This is not what I wanted. Right. I'm holding it and blood's going. <laughs> this is so inconvenient. No, no, this is so inconvenient. This is not supposed to happen. And I'm looking at it going, I'm not going to go to emergency. I'll go to Malcolm instead. <laughs> he is emergency. So I gave it a quick wash and I said, and I popped my head into the door here and I said, Mal, could you come and help me? He said, yeah. We come up to the kitchen and, and uh, he bandaged it up. Uh, actually, for, for uh, I actually... Looking at it and just trying to cope with it, my body went into a little bit of, what do you call it, shock. And, and I started to want, I wanted to vomit, and I was feeling faint. And I said, Mal, after he'd done that, he says, I'll let you clean up. I'm going to lay down. So the truth is, I went and laid down in my office for 20 minutes, half an hour. Was it half an hour? I don't know, Mal. Somehow. Snoring. Mal went and got me a bottle. Did I snore? Anyway, <laughs> Mal Malcolm got me a bottle of water, and I kind of drank that. 
And as I lay there, I started to think of the message this Sunday. <laughs> and I said, God, I just praise you. <laughs> Elevating my finger so it stopped bleeding. I just praise you. I praise you. I praise you. And you know, the presence of God. I like to say that, that the angel came and ministered to me and that... And there was this incredible manifestation. But the reality is none of that, but the presence, the sense of presence of God. And I must have fell asleep for about five minutes on my couch in my, in my office. So if you ever see me falling asleep on my couch, please don't judge me wrong. It's for a good reason. Okay. So I must, and I woke up half an hour later. And I tell you what, I felt totally perfect. And you know, the pain went within 12 hours. And I was pretty amazed. I haven't really had much pain. I can even press it now. You take that bandage off, off and it doesn't look so good. Um, obviously, I'm not going to lose my thumb. I'm just going to lose my nail. But the reality is I've still got it. So, you know, on the way to doing good things, I'm coming to serve the Lord in the, in the house of God and uh, you get your th thumb nearly taken off. If, if the day ended there with that problem, I, I probably would have said, it's not a bad day. But as I went to my little laptop, and as some of you know, my hard drive crashed and failed. My message got lost. I couldn't email. I couldn't do anything. And then I went, that is so inconvenient. <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, got a great board. On Saturday morning, my little laptop is finished. But I bought a new one yesterday, praise God. And... Uh, and I was able to get all my emails and Dropbox and start answering. Because you know, this, this whole weekend, I've got people trying to talk to me and I couldn't do it. That's, that's frustrating, isn't it? So, you know, the truth is, that is a first world problem, isn't it? Because there's people in third world, they haven't, most of the people in the world haven't even got a computer. I should be thankful for the one I've got. Some people don't have limbs. I've still got my thumb. You know, so it's the way you see it. It's the way you just say, God, I praise you. Anyway, there's things happen on the way to the prayer meeting. Good things, bad things happen when you're on the way of good things. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of difference between being in jail and having jail on the inside of us. Paul and Silas were in jail, but church, I want to tell you, because we can read their response to this whole situation, they didn't have any jail on the inside of them. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we can. We can things happen and we, and we just get imprisoned by fear, anxiety, attitudes, issues, unforgiveness. We just get imprisoned in our heart. And it's, such a, it's not where God wants to take us because it'll discourage us and stop us from moving forward into the blessing that he wants for us. It's imperative that we understand the difference between being in jail and jail on the inside of us. Don't get confused. They, um, because the, the days come sometimes where it just seems like insurmountable odds come against us. Or things happen. And it feels like jail. We're just locked up. But you know what? You may, those things might be happening. You mightn't ha you, your thumb mightn't be feeling so excited. And you've just lost your computer. And you've got so much work to do. But you know what? You don't have to let those things get on into your heart. So it disrupts your day. You know, you can work through it. Sometimes I just set my course one step at a time. Let's just work through this. Let's just see what we can do. You know, I found you do the possible and God can do the impossible. But you've got to do the possible. You've got to step into the, it, what can I do? And sometimes we say, God, why, why, why? You've heard me preach this. Why, why, why does this happen? Or why? It's not the question why, it's what. What can I do now? We need to say, God, what I can do is lift my hand and praise. 
What I can do is thank you anyway. What I can do is stand on your word and give thanks. What I can do is still uh, allow you to invade my life and take me forward. Because, you know, you might be in jail, but you know what? You can still have a prayer meeting. Um, the devil will lie to you and say you're jailed. You're imprisoned. You're all bound up. You can't move forward, but it's just a lie. Which is a temp, you know, your prison, physical ailments are just a temporary or whatever it may be, whatever the issues may be, they're, they're a temporary situation that looks permanent. The devil will tell you it's permanent. No, it's not. It's just it's passing. It's not permanent, it's passing. There may, there may be the sound of defeat ringing in your ears, but it's not a time to lift your voice in anger or fear, but a time to lift your voice in admiration. It's the time. Hey, the last thing the devil wants you to do is when you're in jail or you've got, you're facing your struggle is to lift your hands in prayer. He doesn't want you to do that because if you do that, something's going to shift. Yeah. Might be physical, but something's going to change. Something changed when I lay on that couch, I tell you, on Thursday. And you know, I'm not over-spiritualizing, but I tell you what, um, it, something, you know, God, I, I believe God just took pain away. It was just so good. I just felt I was able to function for the next problem I faced, <laughs> at least on that day. See, what, what has your attention has your life. What has your attention? See, Paul and Silas were not moved by the injustice to their lives. And as we know, they didn't react to injustice. They responded to the situation uh, well, uh, they didn't give their attention to the problem. They gave their attention to their heavenly Father. They didn't try and. Um, that, so, what? Your, what is your attention taken by today? Is it consumed by the issue? God wants to break the chains of that. Not so much break the problem, break that over your heart and mind, so that it doesn't consume me. Um, take captive every thought. Doesn't he say in Scripture? See, living in reaction to the devil's lies is the counterfeit to living in response to the Lord. Living in reaction to the devil's lies is the counterfeit to living in response. We've all got to respond, but let's not re react to the situation. Let's respond to God in the way that we do life. See, um, our current, don't, let's not succumb to the things that want to take us out and the things that want to speak, I try and speak over our lives. The, the circumstance wants to captivate you. That's what it wants to do. It wants to take your attention. It, and if it takes your attention, it can, it can take a hold of your agenda for the day. And you get, you know, where you be, should be going this way. This is what, you, what should be happening. And you're going off in a different direction. Don't let him have your agenda in life. You be the master of your own life as you give praise to God. And, and ultimately, you're making God your master in control, aren't you? As you give him uh, what you need to do. See, um, um, the jail, the imprisonment, it doesn't want you to lift your voice. It doesn't want you to, to give praise. It doesn't want you to have a prayer meeting in the jail. It doesn't want you to do that because if you do it, um, its days are numbered. Those situations and those circumstances are numbered. In an imprisonment... Paul and Silas were the inner prison, but they had no inner problem. You know, they were in a prison, but they didn't have an inner issue. And that's why they weren't really in captivity. They were just waiting for God to bring about his miracle, which he did. Because of the, the inner person was so much focused on the answers and not the issues. And Jesus held the answer. God held the answer. 
Um, see, that's the way God works. See, there's a, um, there's a wonderful story about a gentleman called Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust in World War II. He was a, he was a man um, that was incarcerated in a uh, prisoner of war camp by the, by the Nazis. And uh, there in that place, he faced horrific and terrifying situations. I've, if, he, he came back, he survived, and he wrote a wonderful book called Man's Search for Meaning. Has anybody ever read that? I'd encourage you to grab that book and read it. Man's Search for... It became a bestseller back in 1944. Okay? After he, he came... You know, because the, the, the war finished... Um, it started in 1939. Actually, 1945 the war finished. It would have been after 90 that he wrote the, that book. Maybe in the 1954 might have been more of the date. And he... And, as a, as a Jewish survivor, um, he, he was treated incredibly bad. He saw his mother, his brother, and his sister murdered in that camp that he lived. Murdered in front of him. And yet his spirit remained sweet. He was given the prisoners. He literally was skin and bone. You, you know the story of what happened to the Jews in those um, terrible times. But quite literally, he says... They were given one piece, a little piece of bread, and a little cup of soup. That was all they had to eat every day. No wonder that many, many, many people died. And we all are aware of it. But here's the one statement from Victor Krampel, uh, sorry, Frankel, <laughs> Krampel, Victor Frankel, that I want you to remember. Because Victor Frankel says this What is to give light must endure the burning. If you're going to be a light in the world, you're going to have to endure the flames and the heat of issues and struggles. Some of us will say, oh, but no, 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 the Christian faith is all about abundant living. Yeah, 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 abundant living in the midst of sometimes the things we face. Because that's the greatest witness you'll ever be to the people of this world. See, when they, when they um, took Daniel, that young man, in Babylon, and said to him, Daniel, you cannot pray to any other god. No other gods can you pray except to the king. He'll be the god, You're, you know, the king of Babylonian. And Daniel said in his heart, I can't do that. There's three times a day I open my windows to heaven and pray to God. And so Daniel continued to cry out to God. He didn't want to ignore God. He didn't give up. And, you know, you would think he was probably praying, God, just get rid of this stupid law. Cancel it. Might never come to anything, but it didn't. He was taken and he was um, imprisoned, and they told the king, Daniel has done the wrong thing. He's broken your law. You know what? You, you, think, you know, at that stage, Daniel might have been thinking, God, what happened? You know, just cancel the law or deal with it. You know, now I'm in trouble. And the king, like Daniel, he tried to get him out of it from going into that, you know, where they were going to send him to the lion's den. And the king didn't want that to happen. But in the end, the king had to be obedient to his own principles and laws. Now, just before Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, can you imagine his prayer? God, I know you can come through. Just save me. I don't have to go into the den. You've proven your point. I trust you. Just kind of, kind of just deal with it and somehow work it out so they don't have to go in the lion's den. And yet we see God doesn't rescue him from not going to the lion's den. God just rescued him from the lion's in the lion's den. And incredible. You know, sometimes our prayer would be, you know, save me from the pain. 
Save me from the issues. But I want to tell you, with God in our lives, he actually makes you through the pain and through the issues. And Viktor Frankl, and with, sorry, with Daniel, this, the story is, is that in the lion's den, he, God shut the lion's mouths. And, you know, as he shut the lion's mouths, those lions come up to him. Can you imagine the confusion on the lion? I want to eat him. I'm really hungry, but I just can't do it. And as Daniel is brought out of the lion's den, the king makes a decree. Everyone in this heathen nation will serve the God of Daniel. And a nation has revival because one man decided that even in the lion's den, he'd still trust God. I want to tell you, your pain and sometimes the things you, you um, go through are not lost on God. He sees the struggle. He sees the issues. I acknowledge that sometimes I've brought pain on my own life because of my own bad decisions. Now... Where it is, whether it's me making mistakes and making bad decisions or just situations that happen, I'm not quite sure with some situations. I'm not going to try and work it out. I'm just going to know my response will be. My response will be, oh God, this has happened. I can't change that, but I still know you're a good God. So I'll lift my voice and I'll thank you and praise you anyway. You may feel like you're in that den and the lions are kind of there, but I want to tell you God has an incredible power to stop anything from attacking you and pulling you down. So Viktor Frankl says, what, it, what is to give light, whatever's going to shine, must endure the burning. Isn't that true? A candle, little flame, that wick, if it's going to give light, has got to endure the flame. As a Christian, if we're going to give light, if we're going to shine in this world, we've got to sometimes endure the flame. It feels hot. It doesn't feel comfortable. But I tell you, God does something amazing in it. If we'll only surrender our lives totally to Him. Can we stand this morning and let God be God? We're going to sing a beautiful song that we sing, Oh, Beautiful Name. What a beautiful name. And then we're going to sing that tag that just declares, Break every chain. And you know, this morning... I think we could just, you know, just make it, you could make it really nice and just stand here all together and we agree. But, but why not this morning, if you know that there's something's got to be broken, there's something's got to change, why don't you make a response this morning and say, Father, I'm just going to come to the front and I'm just going to believe you. Because we have a God that wants to engage with you, but he's looking for your response your heart's desire. And as you come this morning, just to stand before him and say, God, I just believe for this situation, maybe for some loved one to come to Christ, maybe for some illness to be dealt with, maybe for some um, uh, sin that we've just got to just uh, break the addiction of it over our life, whatever it may be this morning, God would beckon you and he would call you and he'd welcome you because he loves you. And I just invite you this morning to come and stand as we worship just for a moment and let the power of God just infuse revelation in your heart over what you're facing because I'm well aware this morning that there's some chains that need to be broken it's not because I know anybody's life it's because I just sense presence of God would just say come on you can hand that over you can break the power of that this morning as we worship and honor him just for a moment let's do this and let God be God in our hearts as we sing thanks team